This is an irreverent podcast. Check out irreverent.fm for shows from all our friends. Hello and welcome to Exvangelical. I'm your host, Blake Chastain. My guest this week is Jamie Wright. Jamie is known online as The Very Worst Missionary and recently published her first book, The Very Worst Missionary, a memoir or whatever. Since these interviews are often structured in a sort of memoir format to begin with, our conversation covers a lot of what she also writes about in her book, as well as touching on criticism of mission work, evangelicalism, weirdos, and really why the saying, you're only saying something negative, and that sort of opinion um, doesn't really hold much weight. You can find Jamie's book everywhere, including a link to buy it right here in the show notes. You can also follow me on Twitter, at BRChastain. You can follow the show, at Pod, and you can like the show on Facebook. Also, on Facebook, we have a Facebook community of over 2,000 people in the Exvangelical Facebook group. Please seek that out if you want to find other people to talk about the Exvangelical experience with. It's a great community, um, and... I'm really proud of it. I'm really proud of the people there and, uh, and the sort of conversation that happens there. So please seek that out if you want to uh, find other people to talk to. And if you enjoy this show, please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com slash exvangelicalpod and also by writing a review on iTunes. All right, let's get into it. Everybody, welcome to Exvangelical. My guest this week is Jamie Wright. She is the blogger over at the very the very worst missionary dot com, as well as the author of the new book, The Very Worst Missionary, a memoir or whatever. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> thanks. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, thanks for coming on. Um, I uh, have just recently finished your book, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it was it was a very very good read. Um, and so I'm I'm really happy that I have the opportunity to ask you questions about it. To be honest, so Aww, I'm um, glad you liked it. That's, yeah, that's really nice yeah, to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. Um, where we usually start in the show, um, and I think uh, I was sort of explaining to you the sort of general flow of the show really follows the flow of your book as a memoir. Um, so, just for the first uh, question here for you is. Where did you grow up and what was your first sort of experiences in church or other religious settings like? Right. So I didn't grow up in church at all. I was actually raised in an like anti-church household. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so um, when I was a baby, my parents converted to Judaism and we did that like hardcore for several years until, and I mean like legit, I went to like a Jewish day school and like my brother and I were learning Hebrew and, you know, we did uh, we celebrated all the you know, Jewish holidays, like not just Hanukkah, like Yom Kippur mm-hmm. and Rosh Hashanah, like all of it. Like we did, we were, we were Jews. Um, and then that sort of, I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know my parents process, but that changed for them. And, um, and then when I, my dad came home, like right before Christmas and he just brought He's bringing it. He like brought a crate into our house, like this like radio. Like I'm sure it was like 
off the lot, like Christmas Eve, like off the lot yeah. that was closed or something, mm-hmm. you know, some leftover Christmas tree. And, and he brought it inside and he was just like, my kids aren't growing up without a goddamn Christmas tree. <laughs> and then we had a Christmas tree and he brought like, he brought gifts and he brought a VCR and a VHS tape <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> this was a million wow. years ago. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we just like over the years got less and less Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, but we didn't become anything else. We just were nothing. Yeah. You know, okay. So I, I identified as Jewish for a very long time, like throughout my childhood for sure. And then mm-hmm. as a teenager, I just sort of was like, well, I'm nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. It, during, during the, some of those years where, um, you, you sort of mentioned that you, you, you have a really good, great part of your book where you talk about, you purchased a, like a, a leather jacket. And then that was mm-hmm. like your, <laughs> you sort of done that personality for several years. Yeah. Yeah. In my adolescence, I became like that girl, the one <laughs> like with the biker jacket and the like combat boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, and then from there you, um, through a, just a wild, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm actually just remembering a lot from your book about like the whole, <laughs> You have a whole chapter that talks about butt hair. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> there is. It's not, doesn't talk about the whole chapter. It's just I sort know. of part yeah, of the yeah, chapter. Yeah. And a, butt yes, hair. You're right. It's an important topic. It's it an is. important modern topic that we uh, should talk about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so we were, uh, we were talking like that. This is sort of like when you have this sort of rebellious period or this period where you um, feel sort of unmoored. Um, was that. I'm I'm not trying to to push a narrative or anything actually I'm just curious like was that did you feel like part of losing that Jewish sort of heritage had any part of that or do you think it was just something else entirely Um I don't know. I that's a good question. I mean I I really we stopped doing the Jewish stuff when I was like 8 9 years old. Oh, I mean it okay. just sort of so, trailed off from there. Gotcha. So I mean it sort of I, I don't know. I mean, if we'd been like, if we'd still been super Jewish, I don't know what kind of adolescence I would have had. Right. I, I, um, I, I don't think it would have changed much. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just sort of the path I was on emotionally. And, um, so I, I think that's just where I was headed no matter what. Cause I was kind of a broken kid with a lot of anxiety and issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that kind of like slutty leather clad girl was just who I was going to be uh, okay. <laughs> no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> And then through this uh, this sequence of events, you you get married very young. You have a child very young, and then mm-hmm. and then from there, you you talk about how you were sort of the the key sort of convert target. Oh, perfect target, <laughs> yeah. For like, yeah, your next intentional relationship. That's <laughs> that was me. And and then that that you, how was that that you? decided to like go into church one day and in, uh, in that situation and in that sort of point in your life. So part of my anti-Christian childhood was that I was taught that Christians were like huge losers who don't know how to think for themselves, who um, don't know how to stand on their own two feet, who need somebody to tell them how to live their lives. And they're just like, they're, they're just like people, weak, weak people who need a crutch. Mm-hmm. And so as a teenage mom, um, and a brand new wife and learning to be an adult and working full time. And I mean, all all of these things. And I just felt like, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. I need someone to tell me what to do. I need to be, I I need a stretcher. I don't even need a 
crutch. I need like somebody to carry me. I just was so lost and um, scared. And, and I just thought, well, I guess if Jesus is for the weaklings, then, then so I went to the closest suburban church and the rest is in my book. <laughs> the rest is, yeah, I mean, just, it yeah. sort of right. snowballed from there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and you, you do talk about how like that was, was that a, that was a good period for you in a lot of ways, right? Like that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there are times that I think, you know, if I could just take a pill and go back to that simple faith, that easy, simple, super self-satisfying, um, mm. like rich, rewarding, emotional faith, I, I think that would be nice. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. miss it. I do. I miss it. Um, but it was a great, it was a, a really, um, important period of my life. And honestly, the, the evangelical church walked me through it in tremendously important ways. And th- that's where my little like group of mom friends was and my community and the people that came through for me again and again, when I needed help. Um, so it, well, <laughs> while I don't agree with really any of it today, mm-hmm. um, I, I, it certainly had value for me at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And when was it you sort you sort of started to feel like you were running into the sorts of like invisible barriers, uh, in those sorts of social circles? Um, it, you know, it really just started like, I, I, I am a person with questions. Like that's just who I am. I'm mm-hmm. kind of an- analytical and, researchy and I'm always like wondering, you know, why that way or what's, you know, and so I would do these little Bible studies with the, the, the girls, you know, the girls from my neighborhood or from church or whatever. Um, or I would go to this women's retreat or women of faith or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they, they'd make these statements that felt so good, you know, like everything happens for a reason or, um, y- you know, whatever. Um, but didn't really fly, like didn't, we're just not true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I think that needling just, it started to kind of pluck at the fabric of my faith and, um, and it really just slowly unraveled over time. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there were some, there were some incidents, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you were, you were still newly married and this was also something that you mentioned in the book was not something that your, your husband was, was involved in and like to use a Christian Easter, yeah, yeah. that would be, you know, you were unequally yoked <laughs> at that point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we were unequally yoked. That is so true. I <laughs> prayed that prayer. I prayed that like, oh, yeah. Jesus, please. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he wasn't into it at all. And like, he would say things like, don't you give that church my money? <laughs> <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but he worked on Sundays, so it wasn't really a big deal. I could just go mm-hmm. go to church and take my, my baby and yeah. do my thing. And then eventually he did begin attending because of his mm-hmm. own reasons, correct? And then yeah. what did, how did that, I mean, how did that sort of shift the sort of experience you had and with your, with your whole family in, in mind? You know, it made it even better. It was like, mm-hmm. okay, now we're the family. We're yeah. like a cute suburban family with the three boys and, you know, with the cute little house. And we go to the park and, 
I, and it just, it was perfect. It felt mm. perfect. It was like, oh, this is how it's supposed to be. You know, mom and dad go to church. We go to church on Sundays and we put our kids in childcare. And then he goes off and does like men's groups and I do women's groups and whatever. Um, and, and that was cool for a while. Like it was cool. But then we were like, oh my God, church has us separated a million ways to Sunday. Like we were, we never even saw each other because we were doing so many church right. functions. And, yeah. um, and so we ended up being like, well, okay, let's do something together. And that's how we ended up doing youth ministry. Yeah. So gotcha. That was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always, I always, I'm always curious about how, how couples sort of navigate the, the church experience as well as the sort of church obligations, just because mm-hmm. as, as an, you know, as a couple and we, we've attended church several times throughout our marriage and even, you know, long, long haul sorts of things and the ways in which you get dragged in different directions as men or women, depending upon the type of church. Um, right, you know, the men and women can't mix. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Sunday mornings. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Men's, men's Bible studies on Mondays at 530 with Dunkin' Donuts. Doesn't matter if your car gets towed almost by accident. That definitely is not <laughs> something that almost happened to me. <laughs> that doesn't sound familiar, like personal at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, th- so then, then you found this interesting thing you were able to do together. That's great. And, um, the youth ministry, that was, that's another thing that, that's, uh, that always interests me just because I, I was a, a youth group kid and then went to a Christian college and got all jaded about stuff, <laughs> including mm-hmm. youth group. Um, mm-hmm. But from what it sounds like in your book, you, like you guys sound like the sort of youth group, you know, leaders that r- ruled, you know, and that would be great I, for... <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Some of my favorite, like, I've, I've received several little notes from um, some of the girls that were in my small groups or whatever, and they've, they've got got my book and read it, and that they that they love it, and they're just like, I'm so, you know, they're just saying nice things, like, I'm so glad that you were my youth group leader, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's so that's so fulfilling to me, and it means yeah. so much to me. Yeah. Um, and as, and then those sorts of experience experiences are what eventually led you to Costa Rica, correct? Uh-huh. Like the first uh-huh. dipping your toe in, and then. Right. So it's funny because we were sort of in that that process of disintegration. Like it was like, oh, we're definitely identifying all these issues, right? Mm-hmm. We're looking at the evangelical church and just being like, this does not sound like Jesus. Like this doesn't look like the church that Jesus would build. Mm-hmm. It, it, this, these aren't the people that Jesus would go to. Church. Like it was just we were seeing all of these. Um, it, you know, all this hypocrisy and all this stuff, um, and then became youth group leaders. And, you know, so that's kind of, that was kind of its own little world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as we're having this deconstruction or, you know, beginning the process of deconstruction, um, then we feel the call. That's major air quotes, major air quotes, feel the call. Like we just felt called to become missionaries, mm-hmm. but like, we wanted to be different missionaries. Like we wanted yeah. to be some like new breed of missionary that wasn't a total spaz. That wasn't like, <laughs> like that, you know, that wore clothes that fit and that could be sociable. And, um, like we just, we even, so even in that, like, Oh, we're going to go be missionaries. We still, it was still that process of deconstruction. We were still going like, Oh, we're going to do it different. We're going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got there and we were like, Oh gosh, this was, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> People asking questions to the people with the answers 
The people with the answers are the people with the questions. So the people with the questions ask the people with the answers. The people with the answers won't tell the people with the questions the answers. Yeah, I, I've, I've been listening to Field Missionary too. Um, mm. And the way in the way in which you've described there, as as far as the people, um, just being such a wide swath of people that mm-hmm. do not seem like they had any business being there, is so many, sort so of so many, sort of wild. And then this was this was at the tail end of like you you feel the call you you've funded yourself you sold your house right and then you're there. And then that's yeah, yeah, we, we kept our house. We did keep it. Oh, okay. We, you, you we kept the rented house. it out. Okay. Yeah. You, we rented our house out. Okay. Yeah. You, you kept the house, um, but, mm-hmm. but you emptied it and then you, yeah, you were sold there, everything in it. Yes. <laughs> and that's sold when, that's when it sort it sort of hits you right away that it, like, this was not what we thought we'd signed up for. I mean, it was, there was like a, a um, orientation, like a, or a new, a new newcomers orientation for the language school that we we're, we we're going to do. Mm. So there to learn Spanish. And I walk in the room and I'm looking around at all these missionaries. And these are all people like me. They're all people who felt called and whose churches affirmed their calling and who were like, Oh yeah, you're going to go. It's going to be so amazing. It's going to be so awesome. The world's so lucky that you're going to go out into it. Um, and we're all in this room and I'm, I was just looking around like, this is this can't be like there were so many weirdos like so many truly like oh gosh you're really like you're different um you know and and or and jackasses like like these complete assholes that i was just like you're you're a dick i've known you for five minutes and i think you're a dick so like how are you called and i'm called and if you're not called then maybe i'm not called and it it just it really like five minutes into Mm -hmm. the missionary uh adventure i was like Oh gosh, this is there's a this is a mess. This is a clusterfuck. <laughs> and so, in in retrospect, uh, you know, what do you think that that sort of call impulse was that that sort of led you even you you sort of felt um, dissuaded. You know, you were discouraged right away. But but what do you think it? What do you in in retrospect? What do you think that that impulse was? That behind um, the call, know, yeah, I think it was a combination. Uh, uh, happy Christian family was not happy or perfect, not even close. We were a mess. My marriage was a mess. My kids were a mess. Like there was just so much happening, and um, I really think that a big part of it was that, for me anyway, I thought if we do this, like if we make this big sacrifice, if we sell all of our stuff and we take our kids to this foreign country, um, God will fix us. Like Mm. God will bless us and he will fix us. Um, and so there was a, there was, and I I would not have recognized this at the time, but there's a lot of bargaining, I think happening in my own kind of process. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's sort of the messaging, especially in like the evangelical church is like, do these things. God makes promises. There's books of God's promises that sell like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it's, and with those other stressors that, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, and then bonus, you get to go live in paradise. Right. And someone else will pay. <laughs> right. 
you know, so it was just like, it was a combo. It was this like weird combination. It was like a, the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took six months and we were there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and then amongst that, uh, w- within that time, when, how quickly does, does everything sort of start to snowball as far as the activities that you have to do? Cause, um, cause how long were you in language school and like, what were the expectations for, um, for like when you were supposed to start your ministry and, and all those right. things, like what, uh, so, I'm, yeah, I'm curious about that. We were supposed to be in language school for a year, mm-hmm. but the first weekend that we were there, the first weekend in the country, um, we were staying like on this, uh, you know, on this ministry campus and, um, and there was a baptism happening that weekend, that, that Sunday. And, um, they were like, well, come on and help, you know, you're missionaries too now. So, um, so our first act as missionaries was to help with this baptism of complete strangers that we'd never met before and never saw again. And then after that we went, (laughs) so we didn't speak the language. We had literally nothing to contribute, but there, there, you know, there's, my husband was in the pool dunking this dude and I'm just like, Oh wow, look at us taking pictures. Like, look at us being missionaries. We're awesome. Um, so we dove right. I mean, really, but, um, Mm -hmm. So then I, we were supposed to be in language school for a year and, um, um, I wrote about this in the book, so I feel like I need to get it right. But now I can't remember how many months he did it. Oh, it was, it was a, um, trimester system. So he did one trimester. So it was like three months or four months. Mm-hmm. And then he got to bail and he got to go to work and be a real missionary. Mm. Yeah. So he got to bail on okay. language school and get started and I had to stay. Okay. Uh, for two more, was it two more semesters? I don't remember. I don't remember how much I did, but, um, yeah, it was two, it was two more. So yeah. So he got to go do the work and be like in the community and meet people. And I was stuck in classrooms with missionaries, like wannabe missionaries <laughs> all day long. It was, it was a, not a great time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that sounds, if you're, if you're already, if you have second thoughts within five minutes, I'm sure that a year of that does not help the situation. If they were evangelizing me the whole time, Wait. like they were, these missionaries were like, she's a heathen. Like they <laughs> would not leave me the fuck alone. I'm not kidding. Like they like, they would do like chapel and they would love, they love chapel. Cause all these, they're all pastors. Right. And they're pastors wives. And they would just like hash out, like drag out their favorite, their favorite sermon ever for mm-hmm. chapel. And so, like, they would just be like, Jamie, you should come to chapel with us. It's, like, super fun. And I was just like, yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that. Uh, awesome. But they, yeah, they were always like, you should come to church with us. You should you should meet my friend Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this is so dumb. Awesome. Yeah. Nothing like Christian yeah. passive-aggressive. Passive-aggressive. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> um, so even in those, even in that situation, you sort of felt like this person standing on the sidelines a little bit. Was that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, a black sheep is definitely it's kind of the the arena that I live in, and I'm fine with that. But yeah, I was on the margins of the cool of the of the missionary community for sure, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And during that time, your uh, your husband was was working, and then you were just sort of stranded, and also like maintaining the house and that sort of stuff. And that was yes. your sort of experience initially. Yeah. And you know, I, we didn't hire a maid. All the 
all the missionaries hired maids and we didn't because I felt guilty. Like I just was like, that's weird. I can't do it. And so, yeah, clean, like keeping up with my kids and helping them adjust and do their homework and all that stuff. And then, yeah, doing that, the like housewife deal and going to school. It was the first year was like not super fun for mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> and being this sort of observant person and sort of seeing the, uh, seeing the way in which the culture was and the way that you were, you and the other missionaries were imposing on it. Um, was that something that, that you talked about with the other missionaries? And if so, like how, how was that taken? Um, you know, I think there were some, like there, there were like little factions at the school. So there was like the cool kids and, and like we would go out for pizzas and beer and like we were the drinkers and the, the tattooed people, like, Mm-hmm. And we had good talks, um, but and then there were like you know like more conservative. There's like a super conservative group and like a midline group. Like so, there was definitely other missionaries that we could talk to about, kind of just like, you know, oh this is weird or that guy's weird or, <laughs> um, mostly we just talked shit about other missionaries like oh <laughs> you know like, that poor country that he's going to that kind of stuff. But um, you know it's just it's different because they're they're. this was our life, like our livelihood. It was, it was our paychecks. And, you know, so to, to really start questioning that felt kind of dangerous, you know, like Mm -hmm. everyone there, you, everyone that just arrived in the field was like, Oh gosh, we've just given up everything. And everyone's like, rah, rah missions. So I don't think I talked about it a lot at, in, when I was in mission school or in language school, sorry. Mm -hmm. And then when within this timeline of uh, I, I think you were there for you were there for five years, correct? That was mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, what was the timeline for starting and writing your blog? And so, um, actually, started my blog in like before we hit the field, like a mm-hmm. you know a month or something before we hit the field, um, and I wrote one post, <laughs> <laughs> and then like eighteen months later, um it was in our second year. I was super, super depressed. Like I was just in a terrible space and I just felt useless and I was very unhappy. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to communicate. I'm going to be the communicator because that's something I can do from home. <laughs> I don't have to put mm-hmm. on pants. I don't have to leave. <laughs> I don't have to interact with anyone. So, um, I started writing the newsletters and you know, this is like before we had these like big batch mail services. So right, yeah. I would have to like make these little batches and then you get all these return. It was such pain. I hated it. Oh my gosh. So when I realized I could just write a blog and then invite people to just like look at that, mm-hmm. that was so much easier. So I started blogging and, um, and you know, I was blogging like a missionary. It's all there. It's all still there. Like anybody who wants to go scroll back and, you know, see the charming little whatever stories they're in there. But, um, you know, telling stories that make this look, made us look like God was using us and, made it look like every little interaction was important and, you know, God breathed. (laughs) Um, and then I just, but, but all while this other turmoil is happening inside of me and I'm just like so frustrated with missions and I was frustrated with missionaries and frustrated with myself and, um, realizing like I can get on Facebook and write like, Oh, it's really raining cats and dogs out there today. And people would be like, Oh my gosh, Jamie, Costa Rica is so lucky to have you. Like, oh, it's so awesome that you're there. God's really using you. And I knew that was not true. Like, that was simply not true. 
because I was sitting at home in my pajamas all day, super depressed. Um, and so that like, it just really started to weigh heavily on me. Um, and then there was an incident with a, a gecko, um, (laughs) like there, yeah. So I don't know if you want me to talk about that or not, but, um, you're welcome to, or people can read it in the book. Both of them. (laughs) I did write about it in the book. I basically, to summarize, I went to sit down, I went to like, I was sitting on the couch, just kind of like poking around Facebook or whatever, doing dumb shit on my computer. And, um, I went, I, I went up to use the bathroom. Like I, I hopped up to use the bathroom, ran in the bathroom, dropped my drawers. And there is a gecko like three inches away from my business. Like it was in my pants. Like it was inside my pants. It was just chilling, like on my leg, like, just stuck, stuck on my thigh with its little suction cup. Ugh, toes. And, um, I, and I lost it. I totally lost it. I was just like, nope, 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 nope. I'm done. I'm done. And I had like this little kind of meltdown with God, you know, where I was just like, fuck this, this is a mess. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and then I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this more honestly. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the catalyst for really just being open and, um, okay. Sorry about that. Oh, you're fine. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, did you hear that? I'm sorry. Oh, no. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So just, um, yeah, that was the catalyst to just be more honest and, you know, start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And, and really, you know, 10 years ago, nobody was talking. I mean, you know, very few people right. were engaged in these conversations. So to have someone just kind of like lay it out there on the internet, I think it was really, you know, a lot of people were interested. Yeah. So it grew it grew its own little audience really fast. Yeah, and that's and that's wonderful. Um, I know that um, my my sister has been reading your stuff for years. She sends she sent me your stuff for a very long time. Oh. Um, so, so yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think you're absolutely right. Like it's it is the honesty that people respond to um, because. It's the weird thing about evangelicalism. I mean, I know I don't need to tell you. Like, the negativity of almost any kind is discouraged unless mm-hmm. it's like a particular sort of political negativ- negativity. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, unless you're being negative about black people, then you're fine. Or or, or queer people. Or yeah. the gays, yeah. Yep. Like, the, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, or or uh, women that speak for themselves. And <laughs> right, yeah. right. Um, so yeah, so you have that to, you have that to deal with, but then Mm -hmm. every, but then the thing is that like everybody thinks these things (laughs) like so um, many people. Yeah. 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 So it's a, it's a very small number of people that are like, just, they totally fit in the evangelical mold like perfectly. And Mm -hmm. like, it's a very tight mold, tight mold. Um, and not a lot of people fit into it. Um, so the fact that, that you've been doing that for so long is just awesome because that's a huge outlet for people to, to realize that they're not alone, um, Mm -hmm. which is like probably the most powerful thing for like some, someone feeling like they're stuck in evangelicalism, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it is helpful when you see somebody kind of 
exploring these issues that you you recognize but you're afraid to talk about or mm-hmm. that you've tried to talk about and were you know got the finger wagging like don't you dare you know I, I think it is it makes people feel a little more brave a little more courageous to speak up when they when somebody else is doing it too right so. yeah yeah and uh, um, I am curious your just uh, as far as your thoughts just on on how it's been received over the years and and I mean you um, and, and the way in which just the, the way in which evangelicalism does sort of just try to quash and just push down dissent, um, and the sorts of things that, that you've had to fight, you know, fend off even just because you like the word fuck too. I mean, like, mm-hmm. like I, know. I mean, so stupid. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah, I've, I mean, I've certainly had my share of pushback and, and, and the truth is, I just don't care. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. I don't care. Like, if mm-hmm. somebody, if it makes somebody feel better to spend their time, like, writing me an email <laughs> or whatever about <laughs> about whatever, um, they can do that. I, I, I They're generally not going to get a response or they're certainly not going to get the response they want. But um, I, I just don't, I don't care about it. Like, it, it, to me, it's a conversation. And, and, and the thing is, I'm not married to these ideas, to my ideas, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm growing up, I'm learning. And so, you know, to say, Hey, this is what I believe, or this is what I discovered, or this is what I'm learning. Um, and have someone be like, here's why, you know, you're so stupid, idiot, you know? Um, I'm just like, okay, like if either be part of the conversation or don't, but you don't get to shut it down. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, it's just, to me, I'm just like, well, I'm okay. I'll be over here still talking. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, what am I going to do? Shut up because somebody's like, oh, you're, you're being divisive. Okay. I, I want to be divided from a lot of you. I don't want to be <laughs> right. attached to you. Yeah. Um, so I'm fine with that. Right. Yeah. Because you don't, yeah. What's that, uh, the term you, you don't want to divide Christ's body. Right. <laughs> yeah. Except that I do. <laughs> like right. if, yeah. you know, if, we get rid of cancer. We do that. We cut it out of our bodies. That's, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So there are parts of, there's, there's absolutely parts of the quote unquote body of Christ that I'd be happy to live without. Right. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that I, I know is, is evident in your book. And I think you do mention it later in your book more explicitly is that you just have this, because of your experiences, you, you have like a very finely tuned, like BS meter. Like, um, <laughs> And that, that seems to have served you like very well in that um, just it lends to the observation that, that you do and the sorts of things that, that, you, um, that you comment about. Um, so more specifically in regards to like missions um, and the sorts of the sort of critique that, that you see there, what is it? Uh, I know this is a this is a broad question, but I'm but I want to sort of kick off at this converse, this part of the conversations about missions in general and how you think they are not actually meeting the needs of the communities that they're in and the sorts of things that um, that are extremely worthy of of critique and some very like deep thought about what all these churches are doing when they send missionaries out. Right. Um- well, that is true. I do think I have a fairly well-developed crap detector. Like it's just something that's part of me. And um, 
So when I was on the mission field looking around and, you know, and hearing people, the things we say in missions are so stupid. I mean, the things we, we say like, oh, you know what, if as long as just one person is whatever, helped, saved, I don't know, impacted, <laughs> right. like whatever, or um, as long as we planted seeds, yeah. Or as long as like all this weird, nebulous, um, immeasurable language is applied to missions and, and even like the word missions, it doesn't mean anything. And that was a big that was a thing for me, too, in the very beginning when we were we were getting ready to move abroad. People would be like, oh, like it or when our when my job title changed and people would say, what do you do? And I would say, I'm a missionary. They'd say, oh, cool. What do you do? Because it literally means absolutely nothing. Mm, mm-hmm. Missionary means nothing. And so, you know, you could, th- this idea that you can just like raise your hand and decide what you're going to do anywhere in the world and that the church will pay for it. Um, and you can just be a missionary is absurd. And then the language that we apply and the ideas that we apply to those, to that, um, like to our, the selection process is insane. It's insane. Like we were told over and over again, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And just pat it on the back for being like totally unprepared and have nothing to contribute. Like, oh, that's perfect. Then you're the one God wants. And that's just bullshit. It's just not, it's such garbage. And so living in a foreign country and seeing this, like, especially a country like Costa Rica that is inundated. I mean, it is saturated, absolutely saturated with missionaries. They're Mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're, They're around every corner. And so seeing like these interactions of between the missions community itself and then the missions community with the local community, I mean, it, it was just, it never quite added up. Mm-hmm. And, and I participated in much of this. Like I, I, you know, worked in a, in a, um, like a barrio, like a, like a poor community and showed up with bananas for poor kids and, you know, colored pictures with them and, um, just cluelessly showed up in their community over and over again to quote unquote help. And I don't know, I don't know what I thought I was doing, but, um, you know, as I, as I learned more about Costa Rica and as I had, as I got more Costa Rican friends, like real Costa Rican friends, not missionary friends, not Mm -hmm. people who were like into missionaries. Um, but like real, like Costa Ricans who were like, that's bullshit. Um, and here's why that was hugely eye-opening for me. Just go, oh, you know what? That makes sense. Like this is super patronizing that we're just going to show up in your country and think that we can help you. And also, it's a Catholic country. So why the hell are we here? Yeah, <laughs> and, that's a pretty big all, question. <laughs> also, like, there's lack of Jesus in. So it was just this weird, like, are we doing them and that? The more I felt like, oh, nothing. We're just wasting money. <laughs> yeah. And that, so that was, that was one of the things, the, the money part, even just that last bit that, that you said, like, there's so, so much money. Listening to you and to Corey talk, I had no idea that it was such a, like, an industry. And I feel like Billions that's sort of, of dollars. hiding in plain sight, like if you're not sort of aware of it. Yep. Be- oh gosh, billions of dollars. Mm. And the world should look different. Mm-hmm. Like, like if we're throwing billions of dollars 
to the world in the form of missionaries, both short-term and long-term, then the world should look different or the church should look different. Something should look different, but it's not. And, and people who have studied it are finding that it's like actual science says, this is not a good thing. Like it's mm. not helping the people who go. It's not helping the people who receive them. It's not helping. So at some point, can we just sit back and say, if it's not helping, should we stop? Yeah. And at one point, is the Great Commission sort of fulfilled? <laughs> like as far as at least at least that part of it. <laughs> totally. And if that's your deal, if that's the mission's deal, like if you're right. into like if you're like, oh, we're supposed to go and baptize all nations, whatever, I don't know, you know, whatever. Um, then 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 okay, but you're not going to those countries because you don't want you don't want to be beheaded. <laughs> like yeah. missionaries missionaries aren't going to these countries that are like unchurched or untouched by the gospel or however you want to put it. Right. Like they don't want to go there. They want to go to Costa Rica. They want to go to Uganda. They want to go to, you know, like pretty places that give them cool Instagram pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, I, I understand the sort of perils of two white people talking about race, but I'm sure that there was part of this that also had a, a sort of, that that also had like a racial component. So, absolutely um, amongst the the like the the racial and economic components. What like most specifically? Uh, I feel like I would be doing the wrong thing if I didn't ask that question and sort of uh, try to understand what what was sort of at play there, like within the mission organization you were with, as well as this sort of overall, um, just the overall sort of tenor of things amongst the other missionaries too um our organization i mean i don't really want to talk about them because i think i could maybe get sued or something okay <laughs> you can um, you can skip that i can yeah i'm not sure they i mean i will just say we worked with people who genuinely um had a desire to work to lift up local leaders and, mm-hmm. and did that in a lot of ways um but they're no matter how hard they, no how no matter how like how much the white missionaries elevated the Latino missionaries, the white missionaries were still on top. Always, they were mm. the ones with the, the money. They were the ones who made the decisions. They were in charge. I mean, it was definitely a weird imbalance of. Well, all of it was just imbalanced. And, you know, there is absolutely this sense of like white American um, colonialization in missions. And for us to think that we need to export our super broken, super like fucked up evangelical church into mm. other communities is like, it's such a joke. Like, just stop. Nobody, your community doesn't need it. And certainly like trying to, in, install that in another country is not a good idea. Yeah. But, um, and I will say this too, just on a like personal, on a personal level, as far as race, um, I'd never been the only white person in a room until we moved to Costa Rica. I'd never been that mom who's sitting in a, you know, in the school gymnasium while the kids do a play and seeing my kids standing out like the platinum blonde, you know, Oh, there's the American kid. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and still I felt my privilege every day. Hmm. 
still, I knew that I was at the top of the food chain because I was American and I was white. And um, it, it was incredibly eye-opening for me. Both that feeling, both like the feeling of like, okay, I'm a minority in this community, which is, I've never experienced that before. And then the feeling of like, oh, I have so much privilege. Like I, I, I walk, I can go anywhere in the world and not feel afraid because I know there's an American embassy and I'm a white chick and somebody will get me there. Hmm. So anyway, that was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot to experience. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sorry, it's the meds. <laughs> You're probably like, okay, that was not where I thought that was going. No, 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 no. I know that that was a, I know that was a heavier question. I should probably mention that a lot of times I, <laughs> a lot of times I do get like, I get actually flummoxed by people's <laughs> answers <laughs> and it just, it sets my own sort of gears off spinning and and it 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 uh, gets worse when I don't have the video. <laughs> oh, so we turn it back on. Oh no no, no no, it's totally fine. So I'm just I'm just giving I'm letting you know about my own idiosyncrasies. So <laughs> it's not no, it's fine. not you. <laughs> good, um. Good. So you, after all of this, you you um you spend five years there, and then you then you decide to come back. Um. And you continue this this work within commenting and blogging and everything else. You that's sort of the outcome of this for you is that you, in many ways, find like purpose. Your purpose, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's great. I mean, amongst all that, amongst all the things that you experience, amongst all the highs and lows you experienced. That for you seems to be like a redemptive. Is that, I mean, am I reading into that or is that, or do you sort of feel the, the same about, about this being the outcome for, for you professionally? Um, I do think it's a sort of a, the, the redemptive theme of my life is that it, it all kind of add, has added up to bringing me to this space and me, mm-hmm. I'm, I am because of how I was raised, how, who I was born to be and how I was raised and, you know, my, the whole nature and nurture, all of that, because of all of that. And because mm-hmm. of the, the experiences that I've had and, um, and the, everything, um, I have been able to do this. I've been able to, I was able to walk into the mission field, look around and say, this is fucked up. Um, I was able to, to make the decision to say it out loud and, and that has sort of parlayed into this, into a career. And I mean, it's nothing I ever would have chosen for myself. I'm not, I don't love writing. <laughs> I'm not like, Ooh, I'm going to write, write books. Like it's not my lifelong <laughs> dream. And sometimes I feel guilty. Like, Oh, I'm, I stole somebody else's dream. Like this is some, some chick that like start, you know, since she was seven years old, wanted to publish a book and whatever, do all this stuff. Um, and I, I'm, doing it because it's I, I do feel purpose in it I do feel mm. very strongly that we need to flip the script on missions and on the evangelical church and we need to like shit needs to change yeah so I'll keep talking about it yeah and that's awesome and one of my on that note one of my absolute favorite things um 
you have some great things. Uh, well, at the beginning of the book, you you talk about like uh, as far as the sense of there being in uh, being in net. I'm gonna pull it up. I I don't know how you feel about about people reading your stuff <laughs> like on a, on a uh, thing. Um, you can't. I don't have any opinions uh, about it. One of the things you, you mentioned at the beginning is you says, I believe the honest truth is like an invitation into another person's soul, which I absolutely love. And then later near the conclusion, you talk about how um, it's okay to be the person to point out the shit that's wrong like, and to have something that's just negative to say. Um and I feel like that's that's really powerful. And um, just speaking on a personal note, like um, that meant a lot to me, just because a lot of people um, they hear the term evangelical and they think it's just like this negative thing. Um, and you know, I have plenty of talking points about how it's just like repudiation of evangelicalism. You can still be a Christian, whatever. Um, all these different things. Like it, you can also not be a Christian and that's A-OK too. Like, mm-hmm. um, but like evangelicalism is the thing that we're saying is wrong, is like messed up and causing damage to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that was both of those things sort of together in the way that it like were bookended your, your writing in this book. I mean, a lot because it, these conversations and the reason why this is a podcast is so people can be invited into someone's space and into someone's story. Um, and the, a lot of people's stories have really negative shit in them. And it's, it, it's cathartic to share it. Um, uh, so I'm, you know, very inspired by, by, by that. Uh, um, and so, I'd, yeah, I'd, I just wanted to mention that sort of on a personal note because I think that's absolutely important is that, like, in this day and age, when there has been so much that just has gone unsaid, it's time to start, you know, and <laughs> it's time to give every, right. as many people as possible a mic. Like, um, I'm just primarily, primarily the host. I don't need to be the one talking, you know, <laughs> um, and that's, um, anyways. <laughs> that's really cool. And I, and I totally agree. I mean, it, it, it it's helpful. It's helpful to people. It is when you can say something like, Hey, that's broken. And other people who have been like thinking it, like I thought I was wondering, you know, I had my suspicions when they, when you affirm that in them, Mm -hmm. like it is so powerful and so freeing. Right. Right. Because it's just, it's like permission. It's like, Oh wait, I have permission to wonder. I have permission to examine these things myself. And, um, yeah, I per- I have permission to say, hey, I think that's wrong, even if I don't know how to fix it. I just think it's it's really helpful for people to know that like they're they're not alone. Yeah, yeah, that is absolutely true, and um, they're they're far less alone than they think because they're because when you give them permission, then then they can begin to wonder the things that they they thought were broken might be and the things that they've been told were broken, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, about just, be. just being human, <laughs> like yep. just, that's just being human. <laughs> yep. Um, absolutely. And you're, and I just, 
your your book is is wonderful because it's just absolutely you know brimming with humanity and great. Uh, even if you don't like being a, a writer, you're you're <laughs> very adept <laughs> at yeah. at being a writer. Um, and it was an absolute pleasure to read. Uh, Thanks for reading it. I, I still can't believe that like this is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like it's out there and people yeah. are just like reading it and everyone's been very kind and yeah does it know. does it feel sort of different than just writing a blog and and sort of mm-hmm. doing that and it's actually something that that someone printed and sold and stocked and all those things yeah it, it feels really different than <laughs> than writing a blog where I'm like oh I can delete that if I want or <laughs> <laughs> I can you know like in 10 years when I feel like oh that was an idiotic thing to say I can change it um, but now, no, now it's out there and, yeah. and it, yeah. yeah, it's like kind of doing its own thing, which is, it's cool. Like it's cool to see, but it's also like, Whoa, I, I, I don't know what I expected, but I, I guess I didn't expect people to buy it and read it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things I, I do like to ask people, especially people that are still openly, you know, wrestling with with these sorts of questions is what is it that keeps you doing that like what is it that makes you keep engaging with your your faith in these terms and within christianity and what what sort of compels you like forward and keeps you interested um it's fun (laughs) (laughs) i mean honestly like it's fun i love these conversations i i enjoy like the process Mm-hmm. of kind of examining life in the world. And I, I love the questions and, and the, the puzzle piecing together of like, how does it all work? How does God and the universe and humanity, like how do we all fit together and how can we do this better? And, you know, I, I just really enjoy it. Like it is actually fun for me. Um, and then truthfully, it's, it's been really rewarding like to hear from other people who are walking down the same path um, mm-hmm. and who are like, oh, you know, like I, th- I felt alone and now I don't. Or I, I had all these feelings that I didn't know how to put into words and now I have words for them. Um, like that's, that's really cool. Like that kind of, that kind of um, connect, connection, you know, yeah. that very, it feels very spiritual to me and very um, important and, um, it, it's, it's, it feels purposeful. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, that's great. What, what do you think will be sort of, sort of next for you after, after this? Um, this was, seems like a pretty big mountain to climb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think I'll have to write another book. <laughs> so you, you sound cautiously optimistic about it. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think I'll probably, I think, well, I'm not really a hundred percent sure, but I'm leaning toward writing a book that's more focused on missions. Cause this was gen, this was a genuine memoir. Like this was mm-hmm. like, and, and truly I felt like there were some questions I needed to answer, um, before I dove into the mission stuff. And I wanted to do that with this book, you know, like the whole, like, who do you think you are? Well, guess what? This is who I am. And this is why I whatever. It's why I'm able to say these things and why I do say these things. Um, and so kind of like getting that out there and, and as like a starting off point, Mm -hmm. 
and now I feel a little more, a little better about kind of saying, okay, well, let's maybe dive, dive a little more deeply into the mission stuff or the church stuff. I don't know. I don't know, but it'll probably be another book, I guess. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure it will be great to read because <laughs> this one was, <laughs> this one was wonderful. Um, well, where, where can people find you online? Where, they, where can they find your book? They can find my book, um, The Very Worst Missionary, a memoir or whatever, at book retailers everywhere. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, I can't think of any more. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all that are that's left all now. That's all of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, libraries, too. So if you can't buy it, go to the library. And they will. if they don't have it, they'll buy it for you. So uh, do that. Um, and online, I am... Jamie the VWM, like very worst missionary. Jamie the VWM on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find me on Facebook at uh, under the very worst missionary. So if you just Google the very worst missionary, you'll find all that stuff, basically. <laughs> so, Great. Well, yeah. Uh, Jamie, thank you, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we all live together.